0: and fitness with david hollywoods in association with the hearing consultancy the hearing
1: hello and welcome to this week's health and fitness let's check out what's coming up on today's show we talked to a doctor who got caught up in the forest fires in canada you might find some cheat codes from a westmeath fitness instructor to keep your blood pressure down And IVF is set to become state funded, a monumental policy decision that could be a game changer for family planning in the modern world. We talked to the Beacon Care Fertility Clinic about the details. Right now, though, I want you to meet an awfully man who's working to grow the game of soccer throughout the county. I spoke to Gary Seary from the Football Association of Ireland earlier this week. So it was before the Republic of Ireland's loss to Canada at the Women's World Cup. Gary's job is to help create pathways for the next generation of Irish players to firstly have access to the game and after that, maybe thrive. The work of a development officer for the FAI is a massive task and a fascinating challenge, as Gary outlines for us this evening.
2: It's very vast. So we work with boys and girls, men and women from the ages of four to five-year-olds all the way to probably 78, 80. Um, so my my day-to-day could look very, very different. I had camps this morning. Um, I was in regional ETV blocks, which would be your emerging talent boys and girls in the afternoon. Um, and then I, I might be working on a walking football program in the evening. So that would be your older, older adults. So it can be very varied, um, but very enjoyable as well.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's probably one of those jobs that the variety is challenging on one level sometimes, but because things don't get repetitive, there's a great benefit just on a personal basis.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like every day is a different day. Like, um, so I really enjoy the variety in it. It's it's really enjoyable to go and work with maybe your sixes, sevens, eights, boys or girls, and then you're going doing a different program in the community working on um health health and fitness really with with other i suppose communities around the, the local area um which is really really enjoyable and and it's 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 never a dull day that's for sure
1: so i mentioned at the top of our chat there that the women's world cup of course is on and we're all glued to our screens be it in the workplace or at home and it, it's just great to have that tournament feeling before we get into uh, you know i suppose the development perspective of it i suppose I should ask you how, how you've been enjoying it so far. We've been starved of major international senior uh, tournament football for a while. Uh, it's just lovely yeah. to have it back, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it's absolutely great. Like um, I, I experienced 2016 uh, Euros with the men's team, um, and I actually worked with the women's team up to 2017, which I believe as an analyst. Okay. Uh, so, And I, I moved with Stephen Kennedy over to the to the men's team over with 21 so probably jumped ship at the wrong time Uh, but (laughs) I could really really see that I was growing the girls were really really glued there was lots and lots of really young girls coming through talented young girls coming through like Heather Payne and it's it's absolutely fantastic to see them there Um, there's I suppose the girls have driven this so far Um, and hopefully um, they actually get the results and stay in the competition would be the big thing for me but still, I think whatever way it, it works out, I think they've done really, really well. and They can hold their heads high, whatever happens.
1: Yeah, exactly. That is so happy for them that they delivered a performance in that first game when God knows what could have happened because it just looked like the most stressful experience. Um, but they they channeled it and they used it for inspiration. Um, yeah, actually, I'm really interested since you mentioned that you worked with this squad or members of this squad, like Ballinas Heather Payne, for instance. They have... Some of them are real pioneers in women's football in Ireland, and they've gone on to do things that young girls, without realising, need to be very, very grateful for. They have fought for um their corner, their rights, and even beyond that, they just seem to be a super tight unit as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the there's a couple of things that probably worked out and it's grown this game is the 20 by 20 campaign. It was probably overshadowed a little bit by um, COVID at the time, mm. but that was def- definitely a driving part in it, but more probably uh, pressure on the, the organizations and probably the, the media companies to maybe publicize more the female game. And uh, like, look, I, I was at games. We played Canada um, six years ago and there's six of that, that squad in that actual panel. Um, and, and we, we lost narrowly to 2-1 to, to probably a stadium that held 30,000 and there was probably 50 people at it. So the game has absolutely exploded now. And even at home games that time, I remember going to the Germany game and there was probably 2,700, 1,800 at the game. And that was a big, big game for us at the time. Like I remember Stephanie Rose scoring and it was it was 2-2 in, in the 90th minute. And they, they, they pipped us right at the end. But like, We've gone so far. I think it's really, really great for the girls, but I think we need to keep pushing and keep pushing them further and further. And they deserve everything they get. I remember Karen, Karen Duggan used to be taking time off school, taking annual leave to come into camp. That doesn't happen anymore. They get, I suppose they get, they get rewarded. They get, they get the, they get paid like they should. Um, and really, really, I, I really enjoy watching them now and like to see some of the girls coming through that have come from probably 17s up. I've seen them come through and they've really blossomed into fabulous footballers to be fair.
1: Yeah. And even the likes of Karen Duggan, as you say there, it's great to see that they're so supportive now from the outside perspective or the punditry perspective, you know, I think in their position, you could almost feel a bit short changed or hard done by because they didn't get the support they needed, but they're rowing in behind and they're a real team in so many respects in, in that regard. Uh, what about then from the development perspective, you know, surely a major tournament is going to lead to an improvement in participation numbers, particularly amongst young girls. Is it, is it right to say that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we've been driving a couple of different programs over the last two or three years, and it's one of our key strategic, strategic pillars to um, increase women's football and increase growth as well. Um, and we've started off right at the really young ages. And so we have the UEFA Playmakers Programme, which is, Aimed at five to eight year old girls that have never played football. And that's um, linking in with Disney for kind of the movies. So we're looking at Moana and looking at The Incredibles, and they've got female characters that are, you know, front and center of those movies. And, and there's a lot of storytelling in it. There's a little bit of fundamental movements and there's a little bit of football. And it's trying to get those girls maybe that engage. That wouldn't be very sporty, but now we're we're trying to get them engaged as well and in, in increasing the growth from the bottom up. I suppose.
1: Are you noticing then throughout this summer, for instance? I know we've only had like the first game, and um, but there would have been a lot of build up uh, to this tournament. Have Have you seen an increase already?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely have. Like, we have a female only camp, girls only camp in Tullamore this week, and we have fifty members on it. And I don't think that would have happened before. Brilliant. That's an extra camp that Tullamore Town have put on. Um, we also have uh, like the club Killy uh, out the road from Tullamore. They've been on to me saying there's so many girls coming back to the sport like that they could have two or three senior teams next year. So it just shows that there's growth there and there's a willingness. And I suppose the, 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 the girls want to get involved again. And, and especially the younger ages, I think there's loads and loads of numbers coming through. And I think for the clubs, it's, it's probably pressure on them to make sure they can... Posit- facilitate those girls coming into the clubs and making sure they have coaches and and and
1: teams there for them yeah hopefully they've got the um, ability to build up the this what whatever is needed to to capture all that interest and and make a real success of it Um it's interesting as well from a development perspective like football is uh, so famously competitive and you know people fall out over how competitive it is be it uh, fans or or participants but from your perspective Gary you're you're not really driving um that side of things you're looking for people to be playing football for what are the general health benefits of football
2: yeah absolutely and i suppose the 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 UF playmakers will be on one scale trying to get girls into clubs, but then we've got programs like the Cadbury's KickFit program, which is now aimed at your eighteen-plus females that have never played the game before. But we just were running this program as a way to get, I suppose, a little bit healthier, a little bit fitter, um, and and that's more integration into clubs as well. Then, so if you've more females involved in clubs, then they might get involved in the club for you know as a coach, or they might just. Give a little bit of time to help out the club a little bit. So we want to grow the female participation, even you know through through the games, but also in the clubs as well, to make sure that we've more female represented on in committees across the across the across the country, I suppose.
1: Then broadening out uh, the kind of services that the FAI are producing from a development perspective and um, there's 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 programs like walking football available for uh older players and that type of thing uh, how how is the rollout or the continuation of programs like walking football going on across uh, places like Offley in the Midlands
2: yeah, we we actually have three walking football groups, and they've taken a break for the summer now because a lot of them are on holidays or taking breaks or traveling around the country. Um, so we've we've a we've a walking football group in Burr. We've a walking football group in Muckla Community Centre. We've won in Tullamore. It, it plays out in Sacred Heart, and we've won in Eedonberry. We also before COVID or during COVID, we had a female only group um, for for walking football, which is. I suppose it's for older adults, but um, people think that walking football is is only for really really old people that can't move. But it's not. There's loads and loads of people that are from the age of 35 up to 80. And what it what it does do is it levels the playing field for everyone that plays because no one can run. You can't be that really really fit person and absolutely, you know, you, you're you're the top player there. Whereas Walking football it brings everyone down to level and everyone can enjoy the game without getting that injury or that hamstring pull that you may have got if you're playing a five side football game.
1: The game must demand a new way of looking at it in a way. It must be interesting to observe as well because suddenly um, positioning, passing, um, the more thoughtful kind side of football probably comes uh, through. Yeah, it does. Yeah,
2: and you know what? When you're when you're playing it. And I, I get in and play uh, often with with the lads, and one thing you, I'll always see is he was definitely a player in his day. <laughs> uh, I Frank Nicholson would be playing in the walk football group in Tullamore, and he definitely could play. You know, so you can see it. You can see it, and It's more about working your brain as well. That you need to be more intelligent about. Maybe years ago, when you could run, it's all about running, and that you know finding that space. Now you have to find space without you know, making those explosive movements. So it's really about the brain more and it's working. And can you find that little pocket of space and be technically good? And it's definitely great. It's a very, very enjoyable game. And even you say about the competitive level, doesn't matter what age you are from five, sixes up to your 80, there's still a competitive level there. Everyone wants to win or everyone wants to enjoy the game.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? I was just, thinking, just a thought occurred to me there that if you could compel children to not run and maybe it'd be a handy exercise for them to play walking football but i suppose it would just be anathema to what they're there to do
2: yeah that's it that's it they they want to run and you want them to be running and and being athletic i suppose so it does help but yeah the other time i've often thought about maybe for my 12 and 13 year olds maybe you know just take away the running and see about can they make intelligent movements now to receive the ball? So it could definitely work both ways, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, well, any uh, young people listening today anyway, have a think about that next time you're out on the pitch. Slow the game down and and, and use more of the eyes and the mind and it might might give you that extra little percent. Uh, I've really enjoyed our chat, Gary. Um, last question is simply, uh, tomorrow uh, the Ireland uh, Republic of Ireland are taking on Canada. They're the Olympic champions. Uh, but, you know, I think on the basis of how well Ireland performed against Australia uh, Vera Powell's side can go in with a good deal of optimism that they can get obviously they need at least a point so how do you see the game going yourself?
2: I think it's going to be a tight game but I definitely think we can score a goal and whether we can keep them out at the other end is going to be really really important as I said before we we have played them before um, and to be fair we probably should have won the game but it was the fourth game in, in eight days for us that time um, and to be honest, we definitely should have won the game, and we've six of those players still in, still involved in the group, and we've probably added a lot, lot more quality to our to our panel since that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was ninety, or it's probably two thousand and fifteen. So I definitely think we can win the game. Um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst result in the world if we draw it because then we bring it to the last game. But definitely, I think we can win the game. But it's pro- probably we have to keep it tight. I don't think we're going to go out and really, really go on and attack. Um, and and trying to exploit them too early, but we will bring energy to the game, and I definitely think we'll keep it tight for so long, and we can definitely get a goal and break them down. Uh, I think there's more pressure on them to win the game. Um, I think that can play into our hands as well, and we have fantastic players like Katie McCabe, and definitely my player that I really said that has been our best player for years is Denise O'Sullivan, and she can she can change a game. So hopefully they bring that to the table tomorrow.
1: Well, they're helping grow the game out in Australia and, of course, uh, Gary, through your role as a development officer and awfully for the FAI, helping to grow the game here domestically, we much appreciate you talking to us on Health and Fitness this evening.
2: No problem at all. Thank you.
1: The state is to fund IVF treatment for couples in Ireland who are trying for a baby. In this first step, there are many criteria and there's a number of questions about the creation of the criteria. You'll hear some of the answers when we return.
0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. With The Hearing Consultancy. Book a free hearing test at our clinics in Clara, Edenderry, Kinnegad, Mullingar, Tullamore, and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help, and more. Thehearingconsultancy.ie. Midlands 103.
1: IVF is a service that many Irish people seek out every year. However, it remains out of reach for many due to the high cost. One round of treatment can be as much as €4,500, that is, until now. In September, a new scheme will grant some couples free access to IVF. 3000 are set to benefit from the move, so how will this work? What do people need to do to avail of this miracle treatment? Rachel Timoney has been talking to Dr. Bart Kuchera of the Beacon Care Fertility Clinic to find out more.
3: For the moment, we have a general shape, so these will be couples under 41 years of age. who have no child and who availed at maximum once. Uh, in private funding for IVF. Uh, there will be a lot of more details to be known and uh, we are eagerly waiting for them to be announced.
4: Two of the, the criteria, you mentioned one there being under 41 years of age. Another one that we've heard of is the um, the BMI of uh, the woman. But is, is BMI still seen as an accurate way of determining uh, eligibility for something like this?
3: Uh, for the moment it is. Uh, BMI is a very rough approximation of one of the parts of human health, but it was well studied and linked with obstetric complications, ability or inability to conceive as well as linked with the risk of miscarriages. So it has to be taken in consideration. Um, we can't get away from that, especially in, in, in you know, uh, patient safety consideration and the baby safety too.
4: The other uh, known criteria is uh, women under the age of 41 what exactly is the difference, though, between a woman who is, say, 36 and a woman who is 41? What is the, the major difference there?
3: The major difference is that in a natural aging process, a woman who's 36 years of age is typically one in five, one in six likely to have fertility issue with no notable um, you know, difference in, in her test. So it's called unexplained, a natural thing whereas it doubles until the age of 41. So at the age of 41, you can assume that one in three women would be infertile.
4: And how could couples go about applying for this free treatment? Would there be much of a difference in how they'd apply for IVF previously?
3: Well, that's another thing. You know, patient's pathway has to be announced and it has to be very precise because there are two possible pathways. Either you go through your GP who refers you to a gynecologist who then just you know, does all the essential diagnostics and at some point decides, well, this couple needs IVF and refers to IVF center or will be will it be done directly through IVF centers or will they be an online hub where couples can apply for assessment and they will be directed from there? That's one of the, of the essential details we have to know.
4: And what kind of impact do you think this could have on a couple's life, considering that you said uh, four and a half to five thousand grand is the minimum you'd have to pay? if you were to do it privately. So what kind of impact could being granted free treatment have?
3: Well, it will, you know, help couples who were in dire and could not afford this treatment privately. So actually it's more complementary to what's happening already to the private sector that is successfully providing IVF for years in Ireland. Um, So it's a much welcomed, you know, add-on to what we already have.
4: And what impact do you think it would have on the IVF sector overall? Do you think we'd see a greater increase in IVF if this was to go ahead?
3: Yes, we will see an increase of IVF as a good that's consumed uh, by the public. And generally speaking, you know, there are some um, social trends that um, give the expectation of increased demand for IVF. People are postponing, you know, their marriage, postponing their Parenthood, and that's where IVF is becoming more and more important because of, as we said before, of the age related um, infertility rise, and that's where couples will more and more often seek for help.
4: And uh, do you know when the scheme is due to be up and running? Are you already preparing for something like this?
3: We are preparing in a way that, you know, all the clinics are attending in, in government uh, uh, meetings that try to prepare the the launch of the program Um, and you know we're happy to to participate in we we're waiting awaiting you know a higher number of patients coming through you know our local specialty is uh, genetic testing of the embryo so uh, for the moment we had no mention how this will be you know uh, managed will it be covered or not so that's where our main interest is now
4: and um, do you know what exactly will be covered under the the scheme? Like, for example, IVF. Unfortunately, sometimes is not successful the first time around that you try it. So, um, would like say a couple who qualified for it once be able to qualify for it uh, a second time? Would you be allowed two treatments for free or anything like that?
3: So, these are the things that will be. Uh, I hope you know precisely determined in the program once it's uh, made public. Um, on Otherwise, we will have some teething problems and it will be, I hope, you know, worked out once these cases arise and they will be far for the HSE consideration how to come about them.
4: And what is your own opinion of the scheme? You obviously are in very uh, much support of it, but with the criteria and with the uncertainty so far, with the program not being released yet, what's, what's your opinion so far?
3: Well, my opinion... Well, actually, what was my experience rather than opinion. It's usually covering, you know, a group of patients. It's enlarging the the group of patients who will avail for IVF. However, there will be uh, another part of the of the patients who will not qualify, and they will still, uh, you know, avail for treatment in the private funding.
4: And IVF is obviously quite an, an emotional journey. Uh, these are parents who've presumably been struggling to to conceive naturally, so you know. What do you expect the reaction will be to a scheme like this from people who have waited so long or who couldn't afford to do IVF previously?
3: Well, some people may be left distraught. That's true. Uh, But it doesn't mean that they should give up. They can still, you know, talk to us and and see what can we do for them. Um, There will be, you know, patients who are waiting and perhaps, you know, postponing treatment, not necessarily improving their chances. So these are all the problems that you know such uh, launching such a program brings, but uh, hopefully it will ease off early next year that's my expectation that we will have a smoothly running program.
4: do you think there is anything that could hinder this program coming through or anything like that any bumps in the road that you've noticed so far
3: well unless it's you know signed off by the government it's it's a it's, it's, it's a project all right <laughs> so uh, the date is given it's September. Um, So hopefully it will all happen then.
1: The world's burning and it looks like we'll need to change our thinking when it comes to holidays, especially if you have a respiratory condition. Stay with us. That's next on Health & Fitness.
0: Health & Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy with free hearing test clinics in Clara, Tullamore, Kinnegad, Mullingar Dental Clinic and now at Keens Care Plus Pharmacy Eden Dairy thehearingconsultancy.ie Midlands 103
1: you're very welcome back to the programme. Now, we are all aware of the headlines both across Europe and in North America and uh, you'd fear in plenty places across the world in the coming future. Um, there's many fires, forest fires, and uh, those who are seeking a holiday are now seeking refuge in a lot of places as a lot of this uh, forest fire smoke is being carried on the wind uh, to real tourism hotspots. Uh, Greece in particular has been struck badly, but so had Canada I'm very glad to say that uh, joining me on Health and Fitness this evening is Dr. Mirish Houston, who is a health columnist with the Irish Times, a GP, and an occupational medical consultant. Uh, Mirish, thanks very much for taking our call this evening. You're very welcome. I understand you're actually on holiday in Canada. Uh, When was that? And you might talk us through what you experienced there.
5: Okay, so it was towards the um, the, the latter end of June, and um, we were based in southern ontario visiting family there so it's uh about a hundred miles east of toronto but along the shores of lake ontario and uh, things were going fine it was you know the usual sort of weather and fairly pleasant and then we woke up one morning to discover uh, the most awful smoky atmosphere um was was it was, uh, was in the air and um it really came as a shock. It lasted for four days. Um, and the reason for it, the cause of it was that there's a lot of wildfires in Canada at this time of the year right across from one coast to the other. And in our case, there were wildfires good few hundred miles north in northern Ontario, but also across the border in Quebec. But if the, the wind had turned and was coming from a northerly direction so suddenly it was blowing all the smoke um, over us and even into some parts of the United States across the border so um, it, it was a bit of a shock and um, I don't have respiratory problems and no one that I was with had but we mm-hmm. did tend to we stayed in out of the air uh, you know uh, 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 more than we normally would given that we were on holiday and stuff like that um, and then the worst of it all was in the fourth uh, it was really a very different kind of colour to the air and a slightly more dense smoke but uh, what shocked me was that when I went out I could actually feel I was breathing you, you know, when you, if you, we're, not, we're not supposed to light fires outside very much now but you know if you put newspaper on a fire and sometimes the pieces of newspaper that burns, newspaper they kind of flick up in the air mm. and they can ca- catch your breath that's what it felt like when when i was out uh shopping uh, on that fourth day and it was very unpleasant it it didn't cause me respiratory problems as such but it was it was kind of making me cough and making me gag a bit you know so um everything cleared up then everything was fine Uh, the next day it was very much because of the wind direction you know
1: um yeah look it's an interesting one isn't it that um these things seem to be happening with more regularity, but in this instance regardless of whether or not you have a respiratory issue uh, the environment outdoors is simply too uncomfortable to spend time in.
5: It is, and you have health warnings from the local health authorities and they're basically saying close your windows and stay in as much as possible. Yeah, And um, they're even more explicit for people, say with asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Well, Maybe let's, let's everyone, touch on sort of that saying, because,
1: you know, you've got a lot of people, it's, uh, from what I read today, there's still people being flown out to Greece at the moment despite the uh, moral and, and, and ethical qualms about that. If you find yourself in a situation like this and you're somebody who has something along the lines of asthma or, or bronchitis of some description, uh, th- this is a particularly dangerous situation for them.
5: It is because the particles that are in smoke Um, are just an ideal size to go down into the lungs and go spread out in the lung tissue. And, um, you know, that very quickly sets up um, an inflammatory reaction. And in terms of asthma and a lot of lung diseases, you already have an inflammatory prone uh, set of lungs. So this comes in and just triggers off everything and can, can start an acute asthma attack. And the, the, the kind of sobering thing, and it's, it's unfortunate, was one of the reasons I wrote about this is that if you um, have a respiratory condition and you find yourself somewhere like roads or wherever at the moment, you actually have no choice but to remain indoors. It's the only way to be safe and to mind your health.
1: Yeah, it's important to get that message across and much appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness this evening about this. Just on top of the seasonal wildfires that are burning away across Europe and in other places, we also obviously have an issue with um, urban air pollution across many cities, probably most cities. It's sounding like as time goes on, it's harder and harder to find a place with good air quality.
5: Yeah I mean it's it's all environmental and certainly from my perspective uh, I, I think uh, I've had no doubt for some time that this is the extremity of all this is linked to, to global warming. I think I saw um, a news piece this morning saying that it's almost impossible to explain this without there being an element of global warming. And then as you say you know go out to the countryside away from we're all aware of the kind of heat that resonates of concrete in cities makes us feel a bit uncomfortable. So what do you do? You go off to the seaside or you go off to down the country. But obviously, if there's wildfires, um, then, you know, you you, you have an issue um, there. So as, as you point out, it's um, it's not exactly impossible. We're not totally hemmed in, but it's certainly a worrying trend.
1: And just to stay on worrying trends, if uh, people listening can stay with us, because it's probably some important ground to cover as well. Uh, we're in the um, crux of the summer season. And whilst it mightn't feel like it today, yesterday or the last couple of weeks in Ireland, uh, temperatures are generally very high and particularly older people. And um, if we do get another heat wave across Ireland or indeed, if people find themselves across Central Europe or beyond in heat waves at the moment, um, the heat uh, and heat exposure also brings uh, health risks as well we should be conscious of.
5: Yeah, so in this case you're concerned about um, someone's heart function and again, you know, if you're a young person and, you know, you have no issues um, you can probably uh, continue to go out and about although I wouldn't be exposing myself for too many hours in, in heat and sun like that but certainly if you're someone with um, say he's had a heart attack or a stroke or has existing cardiovascular disease um, we, there's now evidence that the, the the kind of heat that we were experiencing uh, earlier this year but in particular the heat that they're experiencing in southern Europe at the moment that can actually um, um, cause problems. It can bring on heart attacks bring on strokes and um, the interesting statistic is that the Risk of something adverse, having an adverse event, goes up by about 11%, um, and 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 the the risk can be measured almost um, in in parallel with how high the temperature goes. So it looks like hearts are a bit more sensitive than we had thought before to to uh, extreme temperatures. So again, just something to be aware of not not so much uh, if you're young and healthy but certainly if you're a bit older or if you're carrying any kind of uh, illness with you and just to be careful.
1: Yeah I think we appreciate those words of caution from a doctor. The last question uh, is around what we're probably all thinking now is our holidaying habits might change after your Canadian experience Um, is it just something that you have to take the risk with or you're going to be conscious of going forward and might look elsewhere?
5: I was visiting family. Yeah, and this is it, isn't it? Grandchildren. So, um, guess what? I, I don't have a huge choice. But um, cer- certainly, I think if you're electing to to book a holiday, I think you know a, a sensible thing to do is to check out you know what happened last summer. So, let's say you're booking something towards the end of this year for next summer. Just take a look at the the area you're going to and check out you know, what the temperatures are like during the summer and in some places where well, you might need to check whether there was a, a wildfire. Wildfires tend to be a bit less of a problem in Europe because the landmass has less forestation in it. I mean Canada is just full of old forested trees. Um, and you probably wouldn't get that in some European countries. But certainly the heat is one you'd want to, I think, look at and take into account. Uh, when you're when you when you're uh, booking a holiday,
1: how do you swerve high blood pressure as you age? That crucial nugget comes to you next. How do you swerve high blood pressure as you age? That crucial nugget comes to you next.
0: Health and fitness with David Hollywoods in association with the Hearing Consultancy. Passionate about hearing and hearing health, we use the latest technologies to identify and analyse hearing issues and provide their solutions. Book a free test on thehearingconsultancy.ie A
1: recent survey shown that two in five people in this country have high blood pressure. Unfortunately, we're one of the world leaders. Chloe Farrell caught up with Mars Luby of Mars Luby Fitness in Westmeath to find out how to address the issue.
6: Well, I did read a report very recently from the uh, British Medical Journal that uh, uh, isometric type exercises are have been shown in a recent study to be the most effective at uh, reducing um, blood pressure. Now, isometric basically means, uh, well, iso and metric, two, two words mean same length. So it involves holding a position uh, under strain. Uh, of an exercise without uh, going through a dynamic process. So, for example, it could be the plank or a wall squat. They're two very simple, straightforward examples that most people would know.
7: And just thinking of planking or the wall sit, most people would find them fairly stressful and fairly tough. How are these ones that reduce your blood pressure? I, I know if I was doing them, I'd be getting stressed out. I'd be expecting it to rise. (laughs)
6: Well, uh, you can adapt all, nearly every exercise can be adapted to make it either easier or more difficult so the plank can be adapted by uh, letting your knees down on the ground for example and doing kind of like a half plank uh, the wall squat can be slightly adapted by perhaps not assuming exactly a 90 degree angle maybe a, a lesser angle that would uh, make it slightly easier you know so they can all be adapted the main thing they say is not to hold your breath an awful lot of people do these exercises especially isometric ones and inadvertently they hold their breath they do say it's very important to breathe it in any exercise but especially isometric ones
7: With adapting the different exercises do you sometimes have to do them for a certain length and adapt to each person or is there a certain amount of time that benefits
6: yeah well everybody's different of course everybody's different so some people might be able to hold the plank for two or three minutes some people might only be able to hold it for 10 20 30 seconds but they do say that you should try aim towards uh, holding these positions for up to two minutes but obviously you're not going to start off with that if you're not able for it you're going to try and build your way up to that so like any uh, like any exercise if you're trying to improve fitness there has to be an element of progression. So you try to increase gradually the amount of time that you hold these isometric type exercises for. Now, I have to say that this is just one latest bit of research that has been carried out that has found out that isometric exercises are more effective than, say, aerobic exercises or more dynamic weightlifting exercises. Like anything, all of these are best done in moderation and to mix uh, to mix around the types of exercise that you do. It still is very important to get aerobic exercise like walking, cycling, swimming, jogging, whatever um, is relevant to your ability and also to have some other type of weight-bearing exercises incorporated into your daily routine, especially as we get older.
7: If you are trying to incorporate something different in but blood pressure is an issue, is there something that doesn't help or may even cause it to rise?
6: Yeah, well, it is said that you should moderate the intensity of the exercise if you have high blood pressure. So lifting heavy weights, for example, would not be a good idea. Doing exercise that involve very explosive movements like sprinting, for example, might not be a good idea. Of course, it depends on, I suppose, how high your blood pressure is and your age and your family history and there are other factors. If you're any way concerned about it, obviously, you would ask your GP. Again, it's, it's sort of moderate exercise done consistently is the best medicine I guess as that's what the the advice out there is
7: do those exercises like the plank the wall sit do they maintain your blood pressure or are they something beneficial to lower it
6: well, the studies showed that the isometric exercises actually reduced blood pressure, and not a huge amount, but a significant enough amount for them to report on it. The findings were that after you uh, finish the isomet- isometric exercise and you go back to your normal position, those muscles that were held in a static position during the isometric exercise uh, were- are flooded with blood, extra blood flow, which helps to reduce blood pressure in the long term, if done consistently, you know. It's, uh, so-, so more... Um, explosive exercises like I said uh, maybe stay away from them uh, certainly do these in conjunction which are uh, consulting your, your GP but obviously it's not only exercise a big thing is probably everybody knows is a uh, salt intake uh, Reduce. you should reduce your salt intake and watch your diet if, if you're concerned about blood pressure of course and also smoking and the usual suspects, alcohol, high alcohol consumption, all will affect, negatively affect your, your blood pressure. So it's a holistic approach obviously like um, anything in your health.
7: And then just for another topic if there is somebody who's experiencing aches or stiffness may not be exercise related is there something that might help to loosen them up essentially?
6: Yeah, exercise. <laughs> I know it seems like a I like a smart answer, but uh basically stiffness and aches and so on usually caused by immobility or poor blood flow, poor circulation and what's the best thing to get the circulation going is to move around so we we're we're kind of like engines we're like machines machines need a good bit of oil to to keep them loose and lubricated, same as we do. we need blood as our oil so. If, if if we stay static for long periods of time like s- sitting in a, an office chair or behind a, the wheel of a, a car or van or truck or whatever it is or uh, the blood doesn't flow circulate as well as it would if we're moving around walking jogging uh, cycling whatever it might be gardening dancing you know and so on so uh, movement is the best thing and you know, I know there's an awful lot of talk in the last few years about getting in 10,000 steps per day. Uh, It is a very good guideline to try and aim towards and it does get people to sort of think more consciously about it and move around a bit more. So I remember there was an advertising campaign, I think in the 1980s, saying that arthritis was Ireland's biggest pain because arthritis is a fairly big issue here in this country because of our damp climate and it was said at the time and still is that the worst thing you can do if you have arthritis is nothing so that you should try to move around to get the blood flow it's all about circulation so keep moving basically.
7: Is there anything in particular that is more beneficial so say for somebody who does have arthritis or is a bit stiff or even time is just against them in the day because they're working in an office or driving a lot, is there kind of small basic moves that are beneficial to their body that they they will be able to squeeze in fairly easily?
6: Oh, absolutely. There's loads of exercises you can do in a, from a seated position in a chair, even extending the legs and lifting yourself up with your arms on, uh, or slightly elevating your position with your arms. You know, that's incorporating upper body movements as well. So they're they're. I don't think there's ever really any uh, excuse to say that you don't have time to exercise. Everybody can make time. It doesn't take that much uh, organization. It's, it's, it's just you know, we should try to accumulate 20 or 30 minutes per day of exercise. Now, that's only accumulation. It doesn't all have to be done in one go. You could do five minutes here, five minutes there, you know, 10 minutes later on and so on. That's not an awful lot out of 24 hours if if you think about it that way, 30 minutes in, in, in 24 hours. It really is just a question of organising yourself and putting your health first.
7: And what would be your main advice just for anyone then? Main tips to just keep loose, keep fit, just, just to keep going. What would be your main tips?
6: I guess to keep moving around. Try not to sit, to sit static for long periods of time. Uh, I mean, all of these new... Um, smart watches and and wristbands will tell you, you know, they'll buzz on your arm and tell you to get up and start moving if you've been static for too long, which which is, uh, it can be very helpful, especially if you do have that office desk job. So maybe get up every hour, whether you need to or not, and walk up and down the stairs or walk across to the other side of the office, grab a drink of water, is any any excuse just to, just to move around the limbs and get that blood flow, that circulation going. So it doesn't have to be long, like I say, but just even getting up from that, even the act of going from sitting to standing and then from standing back down to sitting is actually a very good exercise in itself because you're incorporating lots of the major muscle groups around the core area. Add into that then 50 or 100 or 200 steps in between the sitting up and sitting down. And you do that five or six times through every hour, say. So if you work seven hours or eight hours a day, you do that eight times. That's a huge, that would be a huge benefit. And that's not something that's too difficult to do. It's it's just a question of building it into your daily routine, into your habit. And then after a while, you're doing it without even thinking about it.
7: Just to bring it back there to watches do you think they are beneficial and they are encouraging people when they do get the notification to stand up or to try hit their steps a day?
6: I know I think they are. You know, I mean I'm I'm not personally huge hugely into gadgetry and all the latest uh, technology and all the rest, but it definitely does have its place and there's no no question that these uh, devices can help. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people that use them. And my wife is a nutritionist, um, offers weight management advice and an awful lot of her clients would use them and find them um, they would find them helpful I mean some people are going to find them more helpful than others of course but uh, they, they certainly don't do any harm
1: A big thanks to Morris Luby and Chloe Farrell for that piece, Joe Cooney and Country Roads is after the news We'll talk to you next week
0: health and fitness with David Hollywood with the Hearing Consultancy. Book a free hearing test at our clinics in Clara, Derry, Kinnegad, Mullingar, Tullamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help and more. TheHearingConsultancy.ie.